Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I would love to know what you thought of this episode. Don't forget to share it with a friend that you think also could use this message. And feel free to connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. My Instagram is underscore Sinpenia, so C-Y-N-P-E-N-A. And if you're interested in working with me more, feel free to shoot me an email at hello at thehealthyhotgirl.com. Sending you lots of love and light, and I hope that you remain fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Hey y'all, I'm here with Shekinah Coonley, event manager for Minneapolis Downtown Council and owner of Soulful Events. And of course, my boo and dear friend. Hey girl, how are you? Hey girl, I am great. How are you? I think you're amazing, but I had to ask anyways. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I am doing well. So I wanted to start off by just giving you the opportunity to introduce yourself and um, share a little bit about what you do as an event planner for both Minneapolis and your business, Soulful Events. Yes. So I'm Shekinah. I also go by Kai. So it depends on when you met me, that's what you call me. And Sin is my my girl from back in the day when we were just all in the stomach grounds of Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> so, little Broncos. Little Broncos. Now we're big Broncos doing big things all over the country. So uh, so what I do with the Minneapolis Downtown Council is I create events for our downtown community. As you know, the impacts of COVID-19 have really um, had great, greater community impact with the downtown areas around the country. And so we're seeing this surge of this vibrancy that wants to be back in downtown and this energy to bring people to feel safe downtown after a lot of protests and a lot of uh, healing as a nation after COVID and during COVID, uh, the downtown's area became unsafe for a lot of people. And so we're trying to rewrite that narrative, create new experiences and keep some of the traditional ones. As the event planner for Soulful Events and the owner, I am so excited to be able to say I've started that in April of this year of 2022, and it's been super exciting and amazing. Um, I get to help plan and coordinate people's big days. Uh, it is such a special day uh, to say and be honored to be like, hey, I'm going to help you with the, one of the biggest and most happiest days of your life. And so a big part of me starting my business was because I saw no one like me and like Sin in the industry, right? It's a, it's very It's a very white industry. And so for me, it was about how can I find... How can I be that person for someone, especially for a woman of color who's looking for someone that looks like them in an industry that's super white, whether it's dress shopping or catering or an event planner or a wedding planner, it would in the venues, everything was like, okay, I can't find anybody that looks like me. And then I did. And she inspired me to really love weddings and do it. And then here we are uh, a little over well, a year and a half later, and I'm doing my own wedding. So super exciting. I love that. Um, just being super intentional. Like I, this year have spent a lot of time like networking and, um, I think also like being a part of like organizations that, you know, do support like BIPOC or are BIPOC based and just being really intentional about utilizing vendors that are, you know, minorities and like from the food to the entertainment to the venue. And I think like when I go to those events, they're, they're so special to me. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but it is kind of hard to find. And then there's also that stigma of like, 
what does it mean to work with this kind of person and this person and how do you find them right it's, it's just a little bit harder to find that and then you don't know you want it until it's your time to do something and you're like gosh I really would love to see myself in some of this not maybe your physical self but just your personality sometimes and sometimes event industries can be really um, pretty standard on what they do and don't do and who and the vendors right each company is different but they like who they like working with because they've had great experience with them so how do we expose people to new vendors and new opportunities to get to know community uh, through services that they provide that maybe and they will have a better experience than what they the old vendors that they were using so I definitely think it's super, super important. And I love that you have been looking at events and like, hey, in a different way of like, who do I want to see here? And and that it shapes the experience a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So what are the things that you do to, because now you're breaking into this industry and there's a lack of diversity. So what are some things that you have been doing to like, you know, find vendors of color? Yeah, so I will be remiss to say that social media is not your friend in finding, um, you know, a vendor, right? So you can you can find them through vend- uh, through social media. A lot of places will have a social media platform that's bigger and they won't have a website at all. So that sometimes makes it hard um, when you're trying to tell a bride or tell a client like, hey, you should really go with this person. And they're like, well, they don't have a website, right? And I was like, how do you break that norm of like, oh, somebody? they might not have a website, but they have presence online still. So for me, social media is how I really tagging people. When I see a client or a bride tag another vendor and I'm like, ooh, then I'll email them saying or send them a message on social like, hey, can I have your contact um, so I can keep you as uh, as a vendor? I would love to come to one of your events and support you. And really, I just keep it very diverse, right? It's everything from venues to catering to experiences at an event, right? Whether it's a Photoshop or they create something. Uh, I know a guy named Jared, he does live art and he books artists to do live art for an event to curate an experience live with the people who are attending as a background experience right and so rather it's just anything that I can have an opportunity to connect with someone I see a tag and I'm like investigating their Instagram and then seeing what else I can figure out I think social uh, can be your friend and it also can be your enemy because you're like constantly judging like oh why did this vendor do this or why did they post like that but you're also like, wow, they really did some really cool things. And I would love to post like this and post like that. So I think social is one of the big things that I did in the industry, as well as using my own friends, right? Like the reality is most of my business has been recommendations from my friends who uh, actually all of my business, <laughs> I think about it, all my business has been recommendations from friends. So, or they see me at a wedding and they're like, hey, like I saw you work a wedding, like with this person, like I would love to work with you. And so for me, it's about me actually being in the community and doing the work and people seeing me do the work too. And and having friends in the industry helps. One of my other good friends is a wedding photographer. And so she puts me and my social platform and my website on her actual preferred vendors list. I'm also on a couple of venues preferred vendors list. So I get a lot of people emailing me, messaging me, uh, liking my posts. And I'm like, oh, like, and I'll do a reach out and just, you know, just talking to people when I'm not even working. I'll be at a bar and someone's like, Oh, I'm getting married. I'm like, oh, you're getting married? Like when? And then next thing you know, we're talking an hour about weddings, what you should and shouldn't do and what you what you think is a priority to you. So it's super fun. But I think networking with community, using your friends, um, because you don't never know who your friends know, and really using social to really help you engage with um, the other people and what their clients are, right? Depending on someone's social platform, you can tell exactly 
the kind of clients they bring in. And I'm very particular because I don't do bougie bitches. So um, <laughs> that's just my, uh, I just don't do it uh, because it's just not fun for me to, to be that person with that and just to give that expectation off to any vendor or client. So, yeah. What, so what type of um, events are your favorite? I mean, as, as long as I've known you, you've been involved in like creating community and um, you know, being an ambassador for, you know, other organizations. And so what type of events have you done and what type of events do you love to do? Yeah. So my favorite events, I think it's a, it's a component of really engaging with folks when it comes to like culture, right? When you're, when you can say, bring all these different cultures together into one space um, and say, wow, they all benefit from something and may, they may not be able to identify what that culture. I think those events, when they learn something and grow something from that, as you know, higher education was our baby and we kind of, both of me and you were kind of thriving all over the place with different organizations and just super involved and super engaged. And that's how we met, right? And so being able to just be in community and just expose yourself to different cultures, even if you can't fully relate, but to be able to understand and to build empathy with people, um, those are my favorite events. And when it's in the, when it's outside, when it's in the community, like when it's just kind of raw, like you can't control the elements, even though sometimes I'm a control freak with my events. It's kind of a um, very humbling experience to be at an outdoor event in the venue space because you are having so many other elements and aspects that you have to deal with, whether it's parking and someone's driving, trying to drive up to the sidewalk and you're like, you can't drive up to the sidewalk today. Or your or the traffic that comes by from an outdoor event because people are just looking at, hey, what's going on, right? So I think outdoor events is super fun and super cool. Um, I just did a winter one, a winter wonderland kind of themed holodazzle uh, for four weekends in a row in the cold Minnesota. And while I hate being in the cold, it was super fun to see, right? It's right downtown, right in the city park, right? Where people who are experiencing homelessness, that's the, that was their home for a long time before we came in created this whole experience and they still engage with the community, right? They weren't told that they had to leave. They weren't told that they couldn't be there. Um, and so being able to be outdoors with an event allows an opportunity that an enclosed place can't give. It gives the community an op opportunity to look in and be a part of it. So it's super awesome. So probably I love doing outdoor events because it is fun. I love doing outdoor ceremonies for weddings because that just seeing the landscape that a couple where they decide to get married uh, says a lot about them and what is valuable to them. I know me and my husband, we chose our spot because it was a reflection of both of us. So I like the outdoor events and I love the events that can give you the opportunity to just uh, have community members learn something new culturally and experience something that they probably never have done or vice versa. Oh my gosh, I haven't experienced this since I was a kid or this is what my family's like and I've been away from my family for two years, right? Those are also the super important moments that in someone tasting something of food it's like wow this reminds me of my culture my community or he's saying wow like this is nothing like my culture or community so like just to be able to get those experiences like that's the best thing in the world us as humans and we build community we have the opportunity to build experiences every single day with each other I love that um so what brought you to transition into event planning from higher ed yeah, so for me, probably I was doing event planning always, but it was for first year students at a university at a private school where uh, it was very rhetoric, right? It was very, it was in the curriculum, right? So that that joy of it just being spontaneous and 
no expectations outside of just giving people community and then the curriculum changed. And that was super fun because I got to learn and grow in that space that I didn't think I ever would and get to view up with a lot of administrators and make really big decisions with folks who are a first year student. And that was super great to be engaged in. But then once it becomes a requirement, it takes away the experience in education, right? And So first year experience programs at university option, each outcome is different. And what you what you get out of it is different and how the people and how they engage and how the students and the parents and the families engage is very different. So for me, after being a year and a half in that, okay, the, the curriculum is required now within my program, right? My program was around for about six years before it became required. I worked in it for two years without it being required and in a year and a half of it being required. So it was very, the dynamic shift and the changes and the decisions that were being made were not for, you know, first year students. It wasn't about the experience anymore. And so for me, it was just about how they can meet the curriculum. And I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore, right? I don't want to build an event and have this rhetoric of one has to be educational, one has to be this, and one has to be social, one has to be a finals, right? I wanted it to be flexible based on the different communities that each of them had. They all had different personalities, so they didn't need the same rhetoric um, but they were trying to build a good form. So for me, that was kind of like love higher ed. I still miss it sometimes, right? Probably due to I had such a great coll collegiate experience. But the transition really was also about me, like being honest with myself and saying, man, I'm really loving these weddings. After my wedding, I did probably about 20 weddings in the same year that I did my wedding. So, and then I was going to weddings. We went to seven weddings on top of planning my wedding and then I was helping my wedding coordinator weddings like 2021 was just like a lot of weddings and I was like really into it and having so much fun with them and so that carried over to 2022 and I was just like I can just do this on my own like why can't I like you know I've, no one's going to take better chances on 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 me but me right like I'm going to take the best chances yes. so yes. I took the chance talked to my husband he's like I think you should do it you're great at it so you know it was really fun to you know pick a name and just put your LLC, you know how it is then. Like you, mm -hmm. you say you're an owner of something like that feels really good and accomplishing when I never thought I would probably be an owner of any business. Not that I ruled myself out, but I just never pictured myself doing that, which probably why I felt so good to do it. Um, but I just was like, this was bringing me a lot of joy and my purpose of building community through a skill that I know that I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And then people also think I'm good at it. And I did my first wedding in Chicago in June and I was just like on my own and, and I drove to Chicago by myself, which I've, you know, we've done before since, mm -hmm. um, but I drove to Chicago by myself, ready for this wedding, prepared everything. And I had the best time of my life with that couple and would do it all over again for them just because of the people who they were and the families that they were around. So it kind of solidified for me that I can do this on my own for sure, for sure. And then I got another friend in July. And I got another couple in October and then I was just, and now I just got another inquiry today actually for June of next year. So mm -hmm. for me, it's just like, so it keeps solidifying itself that this is the place that I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be an event planner. And Minneapolis downtown council was just an opportunity. I had the great opportunity to do a, a mural project with, for Crown Art Prince in Minneapolis. So uh, for Prince Nelson Rogers, like the Prince. Like I couldn't yes. believe um, And it was, the most breathtaking experience uh, of my life. Like, right. Like I could, who can say that they did something for a legend and icon for, around the world. So 
to be able to be a part of that project and to create a VIP experience was super awesome. Into this rinky dink, not to say, you know, the Hampton Inn in Minneapolis was not, you know, it wasn't a Westin or the new four seasons that just opened up. It was a Hampton Inn and, and we completely transformed that place into a cool VIP experience. And then to have this great light show and all these people honor Prince and come into the streets to be in community, it was super awesome. So it was just like these little moments where I kept finding moments where other people were believing in the dream that I wanted to create for myself. And it just kept like, right, kept solidifying, kept being really present, present to me and God telling me that this is where you're supposed to be. And it felt good. I had the butterflies. I had the good emotions in it. So I love it. I, I, um, so one of my coaches that I work with, you know, she says, we have to go first and the universe will follow. And I think sometimes like we just have to step into, you know, and have faith and take a leap of faith. And then the universe and God and you know, will affirm us and support us, but we have to be brave enough to take that first step. Yes. I mean, we, he did that give us free will to just like be there and just follow mm. into the, ooh, what if I did and what if I didn't? Like, and I, I catch myself, right? I'm sure you do too. Catch ourselves in these moments where that still happens, but it feels so much more forgiving when you have decided actually like take a chance on yourself. Like God gave you the beautiful brains that you you have and gave you the skills that you have to be able to say, hey, I can do this. Will it be uncomfortable sometimes? Will it not feel good? Will I be anxious? Yes, but nothing's wrong with any of those emotions as long as you don't stay there, right? You got to just push yourself through it. And if you are finding yourself there for a longer period of time, how do you find your way out of it? How do you find a new path? How do you find a new passion to get you out of that space? Because, you know, our brains is the most powerful thing we have, so... You know, it, it's hard sometimes to tell yourself that. And I find myself in ruts, but you just got to be patient with yourself. I feel like, though, we experience those emotions anyway, right? Like we experience yes. those emotions when we go into a corporate setting and it doesn't feel like us and no one looks like us and no one under it feels like no one understands us. And, you know, we're uncomfortable and anxious and feeling like, do we even belong here anyway? So it's like, why would we not take a chance on ourselves and say, this is my thing. I'm creating it. I believe in me. I got my back. God has my back. And, you know, like, I, I just think that that's wild to me that we are so willing. And I think me and you in the past, like, cause I know we're hard workers, right? Like we bust mm -hmm. our ass, you know, we're ride or die type of bitches. Like we support anybody. We make shit happen for nothing. And like, we're willing to give that to everybody else, to every other organization, but then we're scared to do that for ourselves. Like that just has yes. been mind blowing to me. And now I'm like, it is, it, it's all about me and what I can do. And I can do it just like I would do it for somebody else. I need to, I need to do it for myself. Absolutely. Same. And I love that we're having this conversation because for so long, both of us were telling each other so long just be patient and be selfish with yourself. And we just couldn't find a way to do that because we were so interested in helping the world around us and putting the world around us because we were just assuming that the world was going to one day protect us, one day make us feel good. And then I feel like both of us went through this year, right? Like, and it just shifted and our atmosphere is just shifting away where it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm giving up on the world in that capacity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do me for a little bit. Is it gonna be risky? Absolutely, but guess what? All I got is me. I came in, came out. I'm going to come out. 
it's going to be me. It's on me. Like these organizations will take everything from you if you allow them. And once I decided that I wasn't going to let them, like, I really would go to work sometime. Like you got to fire me for what I said. Good luck. Good luck hiring someone who's as good as me in this climate right now. Right. Because people don't want to work anymore. And that's totally fine. There's a lot of different reasons why people aren't working uh, for some reasons. I don't understand, but that's not for me to understand. And other reasons, I'm just like, you know, the some of the some of the culture of what it means to be a BIPOC person in, in a major corporation. We're just not going to stand for that anymore. Anyone form of marginalized identity, like you're just not going to, you know, the world COVID woke us up in a way that I don't think anyone was expecting to. Right. We advanced our technology. I love it. <laughs> I know we advanced technology that I don't think people were talking about, at least for another five to seven years of how the work culture looks digitally right we've done it in every other situation right we've seen it with the family homes we've seen it with uh even people's personal pursuits and how we even do right conferences and trainings like all in web webinars and seminars are all online now like people are just this is the way of the world and they're connecting with other people that's not just who have the resources to go to a conference in seattle for a week right like that's pretty expensive to do now you've created this experience that can be similar, not exactly the same, but similar in this digital platform with people from everywhere who probably didn't have the resources to come in person. So, but I just think that the world, we just, it just, it shook us in a way that we weren't expecting. It shook us in a way culturally in the United States with our political climate, right? It's not going to um, go away, right? Our political climate is in our face all the time now the way our world sees, the way the United States sees the world, right? That's in that's in everyone's face. And I think that we just have to understand that we're in community with each other and that you share this life with people, even all these people, they might've not had a platform before, maybe 60 years ago, they used to say something, but people, right? We have this notion of what the world looked like until COVID happened. And mm-hmm. then it was like, everything blew up in all of our faces really quickly because we were forced to look at it because we had nothing else to do besides eat, and um, look at each other. On I Zoom love screen. it. I, love I it. I mean, I'm, you know, I know that there's people that, you know, were greatly affected, you know, medically and, yes. and I, you know, I'm sending them lots of love. Um, but I really think that we as a nation, as humans, like we needed to wake up and like transform our lives and elevate. And I'm here for all of it. Absolutely. I mean, the, the conversations I've had the past two years about everything has been way different than what I've had probably our years of college, right? Like, it's just the shift is here and and I'm here for it, right? Like, you just have to be flexible and just be okay with not knowing. And um, at one point, it wasn't a good place to feel like you didn't know what was going on, but now it's okay, right? Give yourself some grace and be like, hey, I might not know what that is right now or what the next thing is, but I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to go talk to someone with it and discuss it, right? We don't like talking anymore. Like, we just like being right, which I'm one of those people. I do love being right. But there is value in learning from people who have very different perspectives from you. And no matter how much you want to cancel them, you got to learn the people, right? You got to learn the people who are in your backyard. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're going to get caught off by surprise. And then mm-hmm. now you've heard of yourself and other people uh, in the process just because you just wanted to just write somebody off and you just got to know the people around you because you just know you're in a better space and you can protect the other people around you when you know that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, what I'm realizing, which is crazy that like really, you know, work life, the one thing that we're guaranteed 
is change and uncertainty. But for some reason, we like to think that we can control things and like to think that, you know, we need a plan. And if I do this, then this happens. And really like none of that is even guaranteed. And so it's like, we really just need to get comfortable in uncertainty and evolving with it and being open to understanding other people and new perspectives. And I do this, I've been working on this so hard with myself, just like being open, not being rigid. And, you know, as soon as I, my ego comes in is like, no, it has to be done like this or no, it has to be done like that. Or, you know, I'm, I like immediately I'm like, no, stop. How can you be open? How can you have a better attitude? How can you try to understand this person's perspective so that, you know, you guys can create this like bridge to understanding. Right. Because it's, it's nothing right. When, when we stop being curious and we stop challenging our values, that's when the world will start to die, which yeah. in some parts it has, right? Like we have to be able to, to be in community, which is like events is such a small portion of that. Right. But love the thing that I love about my job is that there's another organization within my org that does a lot of community work where it's helping people who experience homelessness to have homes for the night, who need groceries and no questions asked, right? They get money for food um, or if they need a safe place to stay because they're scared of a partner or scared of a child, right? Like, or they don't have anywhere for a child to go, right? Like we have so much of that in place, which is super awesome to know that like it restores your faith in humanity to know that your fellow person, this human that you're sharing earth with and a couple other humans is still uh, wanting a better world, right? Because sometimes you get caught up into this moment, right? Especially for me, when I was doing diversity, equity, inclusion work, I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I'm never like, why am I bothering? Why am I bothering, right? Why am I bothering doing this work when it's just making me mad and making me so upset? Yeah. And then you realize that this is just a portion of the bigger picture and it feels good when you see somebody do something for someone else, right? And it feels good to know that you're part of organizations and groups that are actually making change and implementing things and not in this, right? Because everything has a risk, but so many organizations are doing things from a risk perspective, which I totally get, right? You're talking about billions of dollars, but at the same time, you got to take care of the people who are in your company, right? Like that's the reality, like that's your community. And every single person that you employ has a community they go back to. And that has impact. How they talk about your company has impact. How they talk about your organization has impact, right? And so you have to think about even church communities, right? How other people see you based on where you go and who you associate with. And is it always fair? No, but at the same time, everybody has to realize that, right? We're all have our own communities. We're the stone and the ripple around us, right? We all have impact and how we say and do things really can influence someone's experience. I love that. I think this year I've really opened up to like, I've gotten clear on my values. Like what are my values and like making values aligned decisions and values aligned connections. Like, okay, is this a values aligned organization for me? Do these people invest and support and stand on their word and are their actions aligning with their words and what are they supporting yeah, I tell my family all the time, okay, now I want to I want to be intentional about where I'm spending my money. Like I want to support minority owned businesses. Like that is super important to me to make values aligned decisions and values and aligned connections this year and going forward for the rest of my life. 
Yeah, that's super awesome because it's hard, right? Like, especially in our capitalist country, like it's our eco, our economic system is not, uh, it's consumerism, right? And so it's hard to be that intentional when, right? Again, like we talked earlier, they might not have the resources to have a great website or put ads on Facebook or Instagram so you readily know, right? They might not have the opportunity to have the same engagement, yeah. have the algorithm that goes into, you know, all the things that I don't know what I'm talking about. I just know what I see on my own personal page. And then you find someone, you stumble across them and you're like, gosh, if someone would have just gave them an opportunity or gave them a little more shout outs, what could that do for a business? And so that's super awesome because the lo- like shopping local is like a thing that I never really thought about it until probably COVID when, you know, the world, the supply chain started happening. And you're like, I just need what I need in the moment. And I love, you know, we used to love going to the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. You were my first person I went to the farmer's market with. And you would always, and you've been like this before local was cool, right? Like it was just like, and it was super cheap because you're college, we were college students. We we're like, hey, we can afford to go to Myers and spend all this money on the groceries when the farmer's market would be right downtown. And we could just go get there and get some really good produce for really cheap. And so- it's just hard, like shifting that narrative of like, how do you support businesses that aren't these big boxes? Because our fa- our parents and us grew up with big box corporations and consumerism being at an all time high, right? Like that's that's our culture that we grew up with. So trying to change your value system, change the way you think about shopping and how you engage with community in that aspect is super huge especially when you talk about we can probably go on and on but the sustainability factor of it too mm-hmm. amazon is going to take over the world and i i gotta figure out a way to stop buying from them <laughs> um right like they have the goods that i need really i really need it but yeah um, we just like right like the reality is is like we can they can take over the world but they can also we can also still support companies and local places too so because it's and one thing I just want to say just because it's just coming to my mind but like the cool thing too about like farmers markets um they normally like will accept food stamps or have special programs or cool things um to encourage members of the community to come and participate and you know I think just you know being women of color too like you know having breaking generational curses and like just the knowledge around like certain resources or, you know, whether that's for me, like on the coaching side with like healing and like, you know, taking care of your mental, physical, spiritual health, or yeah, consumerism and, you know, buying things out of, you know, close proximity probably and, you know, price and just, I guess, you know, it's easy to access. Yeah, it's crazy because the more I, uh, the more I get to know my in-laws, the more I learn that right, my husband and his sister didn't eat processed food for like the like they didn't craft mac and cheese and all that stuff, like the first five years of their life, which is super awesome. Like that's super aspirational, right? Versus me, I was like, man, I had all the junk food you could ever want in the world. I had every kind of nugget, I had every kind of cereal, every right, and it's like that was cool back then, and then it's like. But what was I actually now? What are the consequences of my life because of that, right? And some of those habits are still, but you're talking about generations of like eating food that weren't nutritionists. And then you we come from communities where it wasn't taught to eat, right? Like eat that good. You just ate to eat, right? You weren't eating to really have a, I, I would say like a quality of life outside of like making sure you don't die from To fuel your body and to, you know, really just be intentional about like the nutrients and for your health, eating for your health. Right. Because our right, our communities, both of ours, obesity is super high. Diabetes is super high. 
right? Like those two things are two things that are 100% preventable. And I try really hard, but sometimes I still fall, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not a, the skinny bitch, but I don't need to be a skinny bitch because my husband doesn't know who I am. Mm-hmm. But it is also like a ref- your, your body is a reflection of your health, whether that's internally or externally. It's a reflection of what you eat in your health. And so I, 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 I don't blame my mom for doing what she did because she only did what she knew. But right. God, can you imagine our communities if we just had a little bit more access to better grocery stores with better produce? Because that was half the reason why my mom didn't buy stuff. The produce didn't look good. Mm-hmm. Right? We were buying frozen broccoli. I never knew broccoli until college. I didn't know broccoli came from the stem, right? Like, that's sad. It's awful. Mm-hmm. It really is. Then we can go about the educational system in our communities another day. Right. But, <laughs> right? Like, it's a whole, it's levels to systematic oppression um, of what our communities experience um, and how that directly impacts our well-being mm-hmm. yes um so I want to ask you so I mean as long as I've known you you've always just been able to add like the warmth and the love to any type of e- event so what are some like what's the secret sauce to creating a soulful event um what are like maybe three tips that you do or you could encourage like myself or others to do when they're wanting to plan an event? Yeah, okay. Love this question, thanks, Ben. Number one, get to know your vendors, right? Like they are not just there to serve you. You're not just cutting them a paycheck. They are part of your experience, whether you want them to be or not. Your caterer is gonna be a part of your experience. That's what people are gonna talk about. The place that you choose and who your venue manager is, is important your wedding coordinator, right? All those things are important. So all that to say is don't sleep on the vendors. You should get to know your vendors. You should get to know, uh, read their reviews. I never thought I'd be a person like, read the reviews. I'm in reviews for everything all the time now because, right, even just a closed label, it says a medium, but it actually fits like a double XL based on the reviews, right? And so reading the reviews can tell you a lot about a place a a vendor and so i would say look at look at vendors get to know them and don't treat them as a um, exchange of services of good which it is what that is what it is but it still feels good when you're appreciated and you don't just feel like the help right because sometimes i go to a wedding when i work with my one of my friends and i feel like the help and i don't like feeling like the help like especially as a black woman i'm not trying to help you right i'm trying to i want to be a part of your experience so and most vendors do want to be a part of your experience. And if you're not feeling that, um, you can always feel right to say no. So that would be my number one. Like, choose your vendors wisely. Like, you want to have a relationship with them. Because if you don't feel good about them, the moment you meet them, you're not going to feel better when you get closer to your event day. So just know that. Vendors, super important to get to know them and like them. I love that. Uh, number two, uh, you know, the think about your guests, right? I know, like, a lot of people like to think about themselves, which is super important. If you're doing a wedding, it is about you. Don't sacrifice yourself and you and your partner's happiness or whatever that is. Uh, whether you're a groom, a groom or a bride or you decide to not do any labels, like whatever you decide in your union, like make sure you know what's a priority to you, right? Because it's going to be people telling you what they think is a priority, uh, but know what a priority is for you. So I would say that's number two. Think about who, what is a, a priority for you. And so that way, when people come to you and say, hey, you should do this, this and that, you're like, nope, that's not a priority. It'd be cool if we could do that, but it's not a priority. And then number three, which I kind of started doing number two, but that's okay. Um, 
think about the people who are going to be at your event, right? Like, are you going to have a lot of young people? Are you going to have a lot of older people? Are you going to have a mix? Like, I always tell people to think about the crowd that you're going to have. My bride is getting married in October. She said, you know, we're appetizers people. Our family are grazers. Like, we don't need to have a sit-down dinner. We're going to just do, we're going to do appetizers all night long because that's the culture of the people who they are with. And they're like, hey, we're going to be drinking our friends. They don't care. They just want pizza and chicken strips, you know? Like, they just want to eat something to sober up, keep them on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah. So, right? Like, that's the things that you get to do. You get to create those experiences, whatever you want them to be. But think about your guests, right? Don't, if you are a bougie person and, you, and your family is from, you know, the backwoods or the, um, the stomping grounds of, of the hood, you might want to think about what that looks like for your family. Is your family and your guests going to feel comfortable in that space? Not more so about because they don't deserve the experience, but making people feel comfortable in events is the best thing that you can do for them. You don't want to make someone feel like they're out of place. You don't want to make someone feel like they don't belong there. So just consider so consider the people. So all that to say is consider the vendors. You want to be, you want to like them. You want to work with them. Not work, you don't want them to work for you. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. Hey, I was very strict about it. Okay, and number two, Know what your priorities are because people are going to tell you what your priorities are for your wedding. You're going to get, or any event, you're going to get so much unsolicited advice when you're planning an event. It's like, I didn't ask, but okay, thank you. Got to know what your priorities are. And number three, think about the people who are going to be there. What do they, what do you want that experience to be like from them, from them? So I think that those are the three things that I would give as advice because it's important. At the end of the day, it's about you bringing a community of people that you love together, whether you know them, family, friends, or if it's just the community that you have no idea, but you want to bring, you have a goal of bringing them together. At the end of the day, your goal is to be with these people and to share an experience with each other. So trust your gut and pick the people who are going to make, help you do that. I love that. Um, So I guess I just want to ask, like, when, when someone gets engaged, like, where do they even start? Oh, yeah. So the wedding industry, um, typically, if you are, um, if you know you're going to get married, you already start looking before you actually get engaged. That's, let's just be honest about it. <laughs> Most people are already have Pinterest boards and dreams and visions and notes. Um, so you kind of do some digging before. But if you are engaged and you haven't done that digging, um, I highly recommend Zola is a website. I am not sponsored by them. I wish I was, but I'm not. Um, Zola, uh, the wedding website, which is who I use, they do a really good inventory of where you live, um, price points, and what it looks like to kind of start that planning process. Um, but there's also the Knot. The Knot is also a super affordable one. The Zola is pretty free as well. Um, both of them are free, but they just have different things. Zola, you're, you're going to find a little bit more of that medium, modern, moderate, price rate versus uh, the knots going to have a lot more options that it's going to be more budget friendly when you're looking for vendors. Um, and so I would say like start with kind of one of those two wedding websites because they're going to help you kind of gauge and assess um, kind of the vendors and what's available in your area. So I would say start there. Um, the other place I would say start is probably, I would say you go mind your budget, but everybody blows their budget in one way shape or form rather it's what they was expecting to blow it on or what they weren't um your budget gets blown so you can set expectations and goals and for those brides and grooms who can do that shout out to you 
um, I've not met a successful couple yet. So you tell me what, if it's you, let me know. Um, but I also would say that it's really important for you um, in the 2023 as we go forward. Um, the wedding industry likes to start booking 18 to two, 18 months to two years in advance. So that's pretty significant. So if you're a, you're a bride or a groom that wants to get married within six months, it is possible for you to find vendors, but it will be uh, not to your ideal date, right? You got to be a lot more flexible because a lot of brides and grooms are booking events, venues, everything, and it not a, and including people who are just doing events in general. It's about some, a lot of places are like two years booked, especially very hot, desirable uh, florists, which is an unexpected cost that I never thought would be so much money. Uh, but florists are really expensive and venues can be really expensive. And both of those places typically book out really fast, especially in those summer that May to October months. It's, it gets really um, hard to find anything less than um, on a Saturday or Friday. So that would be my, I'd say you start with um, looking at a, a wedding website that looks like a, a wedding platform, not a website, sorry, wedding platform that suits uh, your needs based on vendors that you want to talk to and engage with. And then booking those vendors, especially the big ones, mainly florist, venue, catering, um, and even wedding photographers. If you have a wedding photographer that has over 2,500 uh, followers, good luck. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna want to book them pretty quickly too. So because a lot of the platforms are pretty with 2,500 followers, uh, that's that's a pretty big platform, and people are asking those people to book all the time. So, but yeah, that would be probably where I would start. Is is looking at vendors um, and then deciding where you want to go pretty quickly if you want to get married at a certain time of the year. Awesome. Um. So what services do you offer to support weddings? Yes, perfect. So what I do is, so I support day of coordination and or full planning. Uh, for day of coordination, it would be your person that is your kind of 12 hours of kind of the liaison between you and all your vendors your guests, but also ensuring your day goes well, right? So I, a day of coordinator is going to help you with ensuring that the, the timeline and your schedule is going on par, um, communicating to all of your vendors, which is super helpful, right? You want someone before the day of to send that timeline to communicate because you don't have the capacity because you're doing so many other things. Um, so I communicate with all the vendors 45 days before, like, hey, I'm the person. If you need anything, I'm the liaison. And then also, any communication, right? Because vendors have lots of questions. They're like, where can I load in, right? Where can I do this? Where can I do that? Like, can I set up my table here? Do I need a tablecloth, right? So those questions are the things that a lot of wedding coordinators do um, that the bride and the groom or groom and groom, bride and bride, no labels, uh, don't have to deal with. Uh, so that's probably the biggest part is that prior to the day of the event. But the day of the event, it's essentially kind of making sure everyone's okay, making sure all the vendors show up, right? If the if the catering staff is supposed to be there at 10 and they're there at 11 o'clock, I'm documented, I'm calling like, hey, where are you? You're supposed to be here at 10. And then making sure that they are, have everything they need to be successful, making sure the DJ has everything they need. We have a seven-piece band, which I have done. Making sure the seven-piece band eats and right, making sure the seven-piece band is taking breaks and getting water. And so... That is something that the day of coordinator does. I also tear down the event. I also set up your decorations. If you don't have a decorator, most people don't have a decorator unless they're doing an installment, which is super popular, whether it's flowers, whether it's a big statement piece that happens in the lobby. 
So typically it's just setting um, place cards out for people as well as putting linens down. So that's typically what I will do as well. Um, one of the fun things that I do that not every day of coordinator does is that I put your gifts and your cards in a secure space and then I make sure they get to your car. And so we make up a plan for that. And I also put bathroom breaks in for the couples. So you're welcome because you got to think about yourself. You have to go to the bathroom. Um, so yeah, so those are kind of those things that uh, my brain very much works like a timeline. And yes, I try to control it, but knowing that your wedding coordinator and your vendors are all at the mercy of everything else that's happening around them. And you just got to be a little flexible and trust that we're going to make your day go great and something will go wrong. Our job is to not make sure you know about it until after that. So yeah, so that's kind of what I do. I get to have fun. And then I will also send thank yous out on behalf of the couple. I was like, what else do I do? I do a lot. I have a little document, but I don't have that. Even though you that's prep awesome. No, that's awesome. So if someone um, wants to work with you and is needing support on their special day, where can they find you? Yes. So I am located in the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. However, I do travel. I've traveled to Chicago. Uh, I have traveled home. I have helped family with their wedding. So I will travel to you. Um, I would love to be a part of your day. I can be reached at soulfuleventsllc at gmail.com as well as my Instagram, which is soulfuleventsllc underscore. Uh, so that's kind of where you can get me or you can have myself. 313-258-3861. I would love to help you with your day. And if I can't help you, I would love to point you to someone who can because industries are small and I can be assistance either way. Yay. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I will definitely link all of that in the show notes. Yes. Thank you, Sin. Oh, I'm so excited we got to do this. Just in case you all were wondering, this is my girl, my ride or die. <laughs> we've been through a lot together and to see where we are now all we've those years later it. we've been fucking through it i'm so proud of through us yes. oh my gosh i'm proud of you sin like this is a huge step for you i feel like this was always your calling and we never knew what to call it when we were you know you've always been this person to me so like you bringing out this new energy to it it's super exciting to see because i saw it back in 2012 when we didn't know what it was going to be and now to see it manifest it's just pretty awesome so i'm very proud of you and i'm very excited for you and what god has for you in the future oh my gosh thank you so much i'm gonna cry all right thank you so much shekinah i love you love you bye what a soul nurturing conversation with Shekinah. Just to recap the episode on how to create a soulful event with some sprinkle of how to get your soul aligned. Number one, you can create a soulful event by getting to know your vendor. They are a part of your experience and an extension of your team. Number two, know what your priorities are for an event. There's going to be people offering you unsolicited advice, so remain grounded in your priorities. Number three, think about the people that are attending your event. You're bringing a community of different people together. Think about the experience you're wanting to create and how you want them to feel. Number four, no one is going to be more all in on you than you, so be all in on your dreams. Number five, there's value in learning from people with different perspectives, cultures, and viewpoints, even if you don't always agree. Number six, we can't fix it all, but we can align ourselves with good people and organizations to create impact together. Number seven, give yourself the grace to figure things out and not have it all together all the time. Sending you lots of love and light. Thanks for listening and don't forget to leave a review.